good to me. Live from the Twin Cities, we're the names you know, this is the names I know. You want me to be that type of dude and I want to be who you like me to but we both know I can't do nothing at all. Welcome back uh, to another another episode of the Dave's Know podcast. Uh, it feels like I just saw you guys less like twenty four hours ago um, because we did. We recorded a uh, a really awesome podcast with Jerry Tason and Rodrigo and Eric from Minnesota Football Show. Woohoo! That was good times. It's a it's a lot of lot of different ways of approaching the same question. So it was, right, uh, it was super <laughs> informative. I like Jerry's whole thing about Turkish football. That was news to me, but that that alone was uh, made the time. Yeah. Better. Totally worth it. So if you are not on the Patreon and, and uh, you should get on it and uh, and take a listen to the to that podcast, it was it was fantastic. I know I, I, MJ, you were you were unable to join us till till very very late. So do you have any any quick thoughts on it? I just want to say that you know we never got to talk about you know when ranking clubs and different leagues. You know, there was for years there was this guy named Tommy Smith and he had his ESPN top twenty five. And I'm telling you right now, it was a Fucking horseshit. The uh, the the website we used uh, is not super great either. <laughs> but uh, I actually think I was chatting with Rodrigo and and uh, and Eric um, uh, via email earlier today. And I think we we should actually like get this get back together again, maybe right before the MLS season starts, and actually and actually rank the leagues. Like let's have a let's have a a, a fight about uh, ranking ranking leagues. Um, because I know shared had Peru below Bolivia. And I'm just yeah. guessing Rodrigo has strong feelings about that. Yes, Eric definitely has thoughts on Brazil and uh, Brazil's ranking in the in in the world. So if you follow Eric on Twitter at all, you definitely have have heard some of his his rantings about that. So well, I should have late. Did we not kind of get into that whole battle? No, we didn't really. We he's kind of kind of mostly talked about what made a league good and and how MLS ranked. In terms of that stuff, it was actually it was a very interesting conversation, and and actually having somebody on the podcast who has actually played in MLS, you know, and, and he's played in the, in the Swiss Super League as well as the Challenge League. He has obviously has a lot more context for it than than a bunch of schmoes in the in the Twin Cities do. So it was an interesting conversation. We didn't actually get into the point where we actually were trying to to figure out if the rankings were good or not. So I think we should definitely try and do that again here in a couple months or so. Sounds good. More Patreon contact and yeah. Jerry's comments were is hugely insightful on a bunch of factors about leagues and c- countries to live and play in that maybe we don't always think of in terms of how strong the league is or the rankings and i thought that was really cool yeah it was a, it was super great because i basically was like yeah if you can come for like half an hour and you know if you need to leave whatever because it was uh almost 10 o'clock at night for him there when we started and uh, he's got two kids he's got a a kid is a little older than my kid and then he's they have like a, a four month old or a five month old so um getting late for him and, and he stuck around for over 75 minutes so it was fantastic so it's uh i think it's a really good podcast uh check it out patreon.com slash daves and to help support the daves that you know so all right let's just jump in guys we have we don't have a ton of stuff but we actually we have a lot of little tidbits on the things that we do have because we have a little more mls news but we also had the super draft uh happen uh, on last week, was it last Wednesday, Thursday? I don't right. remember. I think no, it was. I think it was Wednesday. I think you're right. Yeah, you're right. I think it was Wednesday. So yeah, so Minnesota drafted three players overall in the, in the draft. This was the year they actually took it down to three rounds. From the, the super draft used to be four rounds. They took it down to three rounds this year. Uh, and Minnesota had the 25th overall pick originally when the draft started, and then uh, they made a trade early on. Uh, in and I, I think they actually made two trades in the in the draft to on the on draft day to move up and, and make selections. They traded uh, 50k in GAM plus twenty five thousand dollars in conditional GAM uh, to NYCFC for the seventeenth uh, overall pick. So moving up eight spots, and they selected a uh, forward slash winger um, from Wake Forest, Justin McMaster. Um, MJ, you want to tell us a little bit about Justin? He plays for the Jamaican national team. He 
comes from the Philadelphia Union Academy. And because he was in the Philadelphia Union Academy, that means that he played a few games for Bethlehem Steel, now known as Philadelphia Union 2. Highly regarded as someone who can create off the dribble and attack. Matt Doyle, not to step on anyone's toes, Matt, Matt Doyle referred to him as a good, a good replacement for Molino, like a Molino-like player. Yeah. He said in his uh, pre-draft write-up on Monday, um, last this last Monday, that he'd be a mid to late first rounder, which kind of was what he was ended up being. But he said he would have been a top 10 pick um, if he hadn't uh, torn his ACL back in 2019. So um, he looked healthy, but obviously they didn't play a ton of college soccer in 2020. So who the heck knows? Um, but uh, Minnesota has a infatuation with drafting and picking up players who have uh, who have injuries, injury history. So, um, yeah. Yeah, at least this was a little bit of a, a lower risk move as opposed to taking Dunlady first overall. Uh losing what 50k if mcmaster isn't healthy then of course those conditions won't be met at which point this was a 50k gam gamble and yeah i mean i i don't know the translation of of garbucks to real dollars but that seems like a pretty good gamble to me yeah uh the uh the pre-draft i read was from draft utopia who referred to mcmaster as having the best kicking power and kicking accuracy of any prospect in this draft um I think there's a real chance that in a normal season, you know, he comes back a little bit later into the 2020 season after the 2019 rehab and moves his way up into the top 10, seven, five picks. Everything on this guy is that his, his knowledge of the game is excellent and his ability on the ball is absolutely outstanding. So assuming those things are true and assuming he's healthy, which, by the way, is probably the easiest thing to call up an athletic department and, you know, hey, we're looking about drafting this guy. Can we talk about his rehab? You know, that's information that's kind of objective. You can talk range of motion. You can talk right. his, his muscle capacity. Like, there's no substitute for game reps, but that's what the preseason is for. So I, I have a huge amount of, of excitement for this pick because if you think about a guy – who has unbelievable kicking power and accuracy and a good head for the game, that's an immediate impact player when you pair him with Reynoso. Because Reynoso can put the ball exactly where it needs to be. So if Reynoso and McMaster both know where the ball needs to be and the McMaster kicks the shit out of it, he's going to score a bunch of goals thanks to Emmanuel Reynoso's passing. Mm -hmm. So that's really exciting to me. Yeah, that's a a really, really great point. Um, And clearly someone that they had targeted – and because they obviously knew he, I guess they, they knew he wasn't going to be around at 25 and they definitely, you know, you know, whatever you say about this team um, and they're where they have uh, faltered in the past, this team actually has, at least in the last couple of years, has been really good in the draft. So you kind of have to give them a, a benefit of the doubt here, especially when it, when it's a, a very, as you Dan mentioned, a very cheap gamble to move up and, and take him. And then, so Almost immediately, Minnesota makes another trade. So it gets a moves up from uh, this time of the trade was 50,000, again, 50,000 in GAM, plus their 25th overall pick to Toronto FC uh, for the 18th overall pick. Uh, and this was, um, again, so they, clearly I think they had these guys highly ranked. And, and Dan, I think you can, you'll talk a little bit about what Amos said, maybe after we talk discuss this guy. The uh, center back, defensive mid, uh, Nabalai Kabunguchi, probably very keep much. Kiban Gucci, man. Keep, keep, keep it Gucci. Gucci? Okay. Thank you. Nabalai, though, right? I think it goes by Nabby. He is a, uh, uh, like I said, center back, defensive mid from uh, UC Davis. And uh, MJ, tell us a little bit about uh, Kibunchi. Uh He is from the United States. He's played for the U19 team, helped the USA men's U19 win the Slovakia Cup against Russia. He spent his academy years at Sacramento Republic Academy and also in that same California area, uh, played for the San Francisco Glens uh, USL League 2 team. Cool. And uh, yeah, again, going back to what Matt Doyle said, uh, this is again last Monday. Uh, he had uh, this guy draft range of four through 10. Uh, and then basically that he could go as high as four. He didn't think he would drop past seven. And 10th uh, is the absolute floor is what Doyle said. So it, very interesting. Um, uh, Ives Galarsep uh, from Soccer by Ives had him. I had him ranked, I think, going in like the 
14th or 15th position um, in a couple of his mock drafts. So he clearly slid a little bit, but Minnesota saw a guy that was, that was still available and they made, they made a move to go get him. Um, yeah. Dan, what did, I mean, you, you bet you had, you saw the Amos McGee quote. So what did, uh, what did Amos have to say about this guy? Yeah. So uh, the loons uh, social media had interviewed uh, Amos for the, post draft and Amos basically said you know we went into this not really knowing how the draft exactly was going to play out and we ended up getting two of the top eight players on our board at 17 and 18 so to me I mean that's that's great value because uh, David you're exactly right I mean while we can lampoon the Dunlady pick and and, and should and will continue to do so I'm not going to stop that ever uh, it was terrible but you look at the the 2019 2018 drafts the loons do this draft really effectively and it's not something that a lot of teams do really effectively so if the loon if Amos is saying that these were two of their top 10 guys and top eight even I'm inclined to believe it uh the other thing to note about this draft is that it's just it was weird right from the very top so Austin FC has the first pick every mock I read had uh Philip Mayaka going first Yes. And just raving about this guy. Unbelievable yeah. ball can't skills. Miss, can't miss prospects. Yeah. And so Austin gets up and everybody's got Mayaka's new scarf ready to go. <laughs> and it's Daniel Pereira. And even in his post-draft interview with MLS, he was like, I didn't think I was going to go first. <laughs> but there he was. And so, wow, wow, FC Cincinnati got this can't-miss prospect dropped into their lap at number two. This is like when uh, the Houston Astros took Carlos Correa ahead of Byron Buxton. Like, the Twins got this amazing gift. And it turns out Houston was right, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. And, <laughs> and how many times can you get both a collegiate forward and an EDM DJ, but FC Cincinnati <laughs> – Sorry, FC Cincinnati gets my could get Mayaka, but they take Calvin Harris instead. I assume for the EDM reason. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> now, interestingly, right before the draft, there was a scramble for the third pick, which ended up going to Colorado. Colorado ends up taking Mayaka, who I'll admit two picks is hardly a slide, but when you've got a guy who's number one with a bullet, anything less than that is is a little bit weird. So there must have been this sort of knowledge that the general consensus for how the board laid out was not how the bad teams had their boards laid out. Yeah. It it looks to me like Minnesota capitalized on that gamble or on that, that sort of scuffle that other teams moved the, there was a lot of trading going on. Uh, DC United picked at four and then immediately traded up to five uh, from 12. So there's just, just a lot of shuffling and it kind of looks like some of these guys who in a normal year may have gone a little bit higher fell into Minnesota's lap and full credit to Amos for knowing about what these picks were worth and, and knowing what needed to get done. But yeah, I mean, they turned in a matter of minutes, they turned 25 and a hundred K gam into 17 and 18. And that's damn good business in my book. Yeah. And, and picked up, um, two positions of need for, for Minnesota as well. Um, I'm not sure, you know, how much Nobby will be playing um, in Minnesota, at least in this first year, but definitely uh, if he's, if he's a good prospect, he could be that a Ozzy Alonso esque although it sounds like he probably more translates back to a a center back. So maybe an Icopara replacement eventually. So Minnesota wasn't done though. They uh, part of their Mason toy trade back in October um, they got the 38th pick uh, in the second overall pick in the second round, 30th pick overall, a second round pick from uh, the Montreal Impact, or now now referred to as Club de Foot Montreal, and they selected um, a uh, hard ass motherfucker, Sean O'Hearn. <laughs> um, I have no, I really forgot that they had made this draft, this pick, so I have nothing to say about this guy. What do uh, What do you guys have on on Sean O'Hearn? MJ, let's uh, let's start with you. He, he comes out of Georgetown. Uh, he played in a in the PA Classics Academy. Uh, interestingly enough, he also played a few games for a USL League Two club called Treasure Coast Tritons. For those that don't know the Treasure Coast Tritons, like I did not until five minutes ago, they are out of Port St. Lucie, Florida. That's where the uh, Met Spring Training Facility is. There you go. There you go. <laughs> like that—that's actually true. I wish I didn't know that. But that's, that's exactly- <laughs> 
for you guys. I knew I, I when you said Port St. Lucie, I was like, there's a I know there's an app, there's a minor league, uh, <laughs> a major league baseball training facility, training facility based there. I couldn't figure out who it was, though. So thank you, Dan. I got to say, if you guys haven't been on the website, that is one hell of a crest. That's a good looking crest. Oh, the, the Tritons? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. It's it's like it's loud. It's simple. It yells Florida. I mean, <laughs> it has like black, white and aqua, I think, or teal. All right, that's cool. Uh, interestingly enough, the O'Hearn originally signed with New England Revolution 2 in USL League 1, but according to my sources, that doesn't matter. Basically, if they're on the super draft list, whichever MLS club drafts them, the, the MLS team gets the rights to that player. Like in perpetuity, like Miguel Ibarra-esque, or just, or just for the... I think they get the rights and they, there might be some negotiation that needs to go on. But okay. Okay. They, 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 but yeah, I think, go ahead, Dan, go ahead. MJ. Oh, I, I think basically what this is, is immediately after college, these guys want to sign deals, particularly for that, that sort of next summer. I mean, think about you, you graduate in May, you don't really want to sit for the next super draft. So if your rights weren't taken, go sign with the USL league one, league two team, but neither of those leagues have any incentive to pin down the player be like oh no we're totally gonna screw you if yeah. an mls team wants to come sense. for you so so i'm not too super surprised that that uh if, if a bigger better contract comes along they sort of automatically get out of their usl deal where i think it would get interesting is if well and we'll see how the new academy structures work but if uh if minnesota was like yeah we really do want this guy but we want him in our camp that may be where they have to renegotiate the contract entirely. But if they keep him on the senior roster, then that's a thanks for keeping thanks thanks for warming up our guy. We'll take it from here. Sure, sure. Dan, uh, you, had, you favorite, had some. Yeah, my favorite quote on Sean O'Hearn. Uh, look, MLS drafts get real shallow real fast. I mean, the fact that that the Loons got Hassani Dotson in the second round is is considered remarkable. Uh, so. <laughs> you kind of look for, for guys who can get stuck in a little bit. And I think the loons found one. This is a quote. Uh, again, it was from the loons website, but uh, from Adrian Heath, the coaches at Georgetown couldn't speak any more highly of Sean. Heath said, the coaches told me he's the toughest bastard they've had. And I got to tell you guys, that's what I, that's what I want in the second round pick. Like, don't try to sell me on his technical ability. Don't tell me that he's, you know, super underrated. Tell me he's a tough bastard who's going to work hard. That's that's what I'm looking for, especially assuming that Ozzy is back with the team in some capacity. I would love to see him train a bastard for the next generation. Indeed, indeed. Not just any bastard, the toughest bastard. Exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, you, why, why settle for an inferior bastard? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So that was that's basically the that was the end of Minnesota's draft picks uh, for for the super draft. They did they did actually their 52nd pick uh, their natural second round pick. They traded to Columbus um, for Aaron Schoenfeld's rights back in February of last year. That was pre pandemic, guys. Uh, oh, remember remember February of 2020? <laughs> we, were, we were five, so young then. 500 years ago. 500 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, Minnesota, in, in their tradition, has never selected in the third round of the MLS uh, Super Draft, <laughs> I believe. Um, they traded that one to uh, FC Dallas again back before. Before the uh, the COVID times for Jacory Hayes, and then uh, they traded their fourth round uh, compensor uh, fourth round pick um, in 2021 for uh, to Nashville with some gam for Adrian's and Dejas when they had the goalkeeper rash of goalkeeper injuries. Um, again, obviously, as I mentioned, there was no the MLS got rid of the fourth round um, as part of their their collective their CBA, um, but they did allow allow anybody who had fourth round picks this year um so you have basically ended the end of third round pick so they just they gave people the opportunity to pick a, a one more player but they're getting rid of it officially so yeah mj Minnesota united has never picked in the third round but they have a host of fourth round picks that have showed up to training and not get signed that's true and then, and then end up in the lower leagues of of <laughs> of united states soccer somewhere yeah so i'm fine with trading away third and fourth round picks yeah so a couple other little bits of, of MLS uh, of United news, and then we'll we, you know we'll jump into the MLS stuff. Um, <clears throat> Sonny Dotson was down in Florida, or is down in Florida with the U23 team. He was not selected for the U.S. Men's National Team Friendly Group that will be playing against Trinidad and Tobago. I don't think that is terribly surprising to any of us that Dotson 
the senior team. Yeah, he's not. He didn't make the senior team roster for yeah, the yeah, for the game. So, right. yeah. What you, so we never we never really, I don't think we really talked about this when it came up, but we can just do it really quickly. What do you guys think about Chase Gasper not getting? Because that, that what they, they only brought in what was it like ten or eleven above above twenty three players, so players not eligible for the Olympic team. They only brought in like I think like three or four defenders, and it was all MLS guys, obviously. Do you think Chase Gasper is done with the national team? Uh, or is this sending a statement to Gasper from Burhalter saying, hey, you know, you got to you gotta get better? Um, I, I guess I have any quick, quick talks. We don't have to spend a ton of time on it. I'm just, I was curious. We didn't really discuss it. I like uh, he needs to get better. Like, like yeah. on both sides of the ball, he needs to get better. And we've talked about this on this podcast before. The, are you, are you Pedro? Or are you Chase? And, you know, sometimes he looks like Pedro on both sides of the ball. And sometimes he looks like Chase on on both sides of the ball. And so that inconsistency, you know, if if I were Greg Berthaller talking to Adrian Heath or talking to Chase Gasper directly, it's not so much the highs and lows, but the consistency. You need to get consistently better. Yeah, so we what we saw Gasper go into camp last time, you know, he, he was 23 um, heading into this 2020 season. I, it's not that I think the one year between 23 and 24 is some massive jump or anything like that. But what we saw from Gasper was some okay development going forward. He's certainly a better crosser of the ball this time this year than he was last year. Uh his defensive work, I think, may have actually taken a little bit of a step back. But the bigger thing for me is that if I'm putting together a roster for not a game against St. Kitts and Nevis or uh, a team. <laughs> Granada. That they, yeah, Granada is another good example. A team that the U.S. should roll despite who they put out there. If I'm thinking about a, a guy who might play against Mexico or TNT or Jamaica – what I want is the one thing that I can hang my hat on with that guy. And with Gasper, you don't really have that. So let's say, and I'm, I'll revert to like FIFA rankings here. Let's say Gasper is a 79. He, to me, is still less valuable than a guy who's an equivalent 79, but has an 86 cross, but isn't quite as good going back. Or a guy who isn't ever going to get beat off the dribble, but couldn't cross if his life depended on it. That's my thing with Gasper is he's even if he's good. And I think I think he is good. I I rate Gasper. I don't think he fits as well into a national team setup because you can't put other pieces around him. You know, you can't give up a little bit of going forward with your center back because, you know, you have to cover for the left or. Uh, you know you can't. Well, you say, you you can. You're you're much more limited in what you can do to to to, to do that, right? By terms of nationality, and it it's a a much harder task than just being able to buy somebody, right? Well, no, I more mean like talent wise, right? Like yeah, w- with somebody like Gasper, you have to account for the fact that he's a little bit limited going forward and a little bit limited going back, as opposed to just having to compensate for one large. One or the other. Okay, okay, not okay. That makes more sense. What you're saying, yeah. And then so to. To plan for that as a national team coach, that becomes much more difficult than just planning for one. Right. Because you may not have that guy in in your pool, right? And that's, to David, your point. Like, if you really wanted Gasper on your club team and you knew that you needed a left-sided center back that did one thing or another a little differently, you just go and buy that guy. But you can't really do that in an international setup. Yeah, that's a a very fair point, so... Other little, little bits of uh, United news, Minnesota United news. Uh, Amaria was officially confirmed to Ecuadorian club uh, LDU uh, Quito. Uh, so he's going to Ecuador for the next season. I think they also have an option to buy as well. So who knows? You may see Amaria back in Loon's colors, but it would not be until 2022 at the earliest. So probably not. Uh, and then finally, there was a after the draft, he, there was a, uh, actually a really great conversation uh, with Andy Greeter of the Pioneer Press, with he had it with Adrian Heath. Um, it's in the Fish Rat Factory East Side. Uh, if you want to go pick it up, or the uh, the internet, like how everybody else reads their reads their news. Eight twelve Pioneer Press. 
<laughs> um, I remember I used to deliver newspapers like back when I was in college as a as a part time job, and I yeah it sucked because most of the time I was getting up and I was still probably a little bit too drunk from the night before uh, to actually probably be driving around delivering papers. So um, hopefully the statute of limitations is up on that. Uh, didn't didn't hit anything or fuck anything you were up. Hung so. over, David. You were hung over. Yeah. So yes, yes. Uh, anyways, so a couple. Uh, there was a couple of interesting points in there. Uh, Heath admitted to second guessing uh, over not making substitutions earlier in the game uh, when he said he could sense that his players were losing energy late in the match. Um, to which we everybody collectively screams, "Fucking of course!" Um, and then oh, he um, shit, Sherlock. <laughs> uh, he admitted that he had he only had just recently rewatched that match. So. Um, so yeah, so there's take take for that, take of that what you will. Uh, disappointed in Molino's move, obviously. I think we've talked we talked about it when Kevin Molino uh, decided to leave Minnesota. That was an interesting uh, move on his part, especially considering all the loyalty that Heath had shown in in Kevin Molino. Um, and actually, this is a great sort of segue for the the Patreon podcast. Jerry had some really great things to say about Kevin Molino, and um, you know what Jerry, what Kevin Molina would be doing in, in like the, in the, say the Swiss, the Swiss league. So uh, definitely a shout out for that. And then a couple other things stated that they definitely need to bring in four. He said, say they need to bring in four players um, that they're moving down those, that path. And at least one of them is going to probably be a DP. So interesting. And then uh, there's been sources have said that uh, Yuka Ratala, the a 32 year old fullback who most recently played for uh, CF Montreal, um, but also played for Columbus crew and uh, in 2017, in, in leagues across uh, Europe, since 2007, is uh, is a target um, and uh, likely to come in for the team. So he's also currently teammates with Robin Lude on the Finnish national team. So, do you guys have any other uh, thoughts on that conversation that he's had with with Andy with Andy, friend of the pod, Andy Greeter? I was a little bit surprised to see that uh, the Loons were signing another fullback. Um, now, there's nothing wrong with Raitala. I think he's he's a good one to have in the mix. Uh, I just didn't really see that as a position of need. Uh, the One of the things that uh, also came out of that interview is that the team is very optimistic about Ike being back with the team next year. Right, yeah. Um, so that's really, really good news because if they had said, hey, we're signing a fullback, but we didn't know that Ike was coming back, what I would read into that is we want to make sure that Debasi can play fullback if we need Uh because we don't think that Ike will be back. We need Tavasi kind of at two positions at once. But knowing Ike is coming back, makes fullback a little bit of a lower position of need for me. So I'm I'm a little baffled by that. But to be fair, I mean, outside of striker, it is probably of the obviously, you know, considering we brought in Will Trap, left back is probably the place where they could make the most significant upgrade um, of their starters. I, I outside of striker, obviously, I think strikers is. is is the most important one. Um, well, I guess I we had left wing. Yeah, you're you're, yeah. you're kind of right. It's it's no higher than third, right? And we're not even. I mean, Rital is not a better winger, or sorry, not a better fullback than Gasper. So we're not talking about bringing in a, a starting caliber player there. Yeah, almost, yeah. It strikes me as like a move of convenience, but it's not particularly convenient. And because Rital will take an international spot. So I'm, I'm just not, like, I'm not mad about it. You know, it could be something where Robin Lude pulled Heath aside and said, Hey, like, I think you should take a look at this because I think he's, he's so much better for our national team than I see him with Montreal. I think we can get good value out of it. Yeah, or something like that. for sure. And, and look, I think it's fine, but it's a, it's a, it's a question worth asking. This team needs two, probably three strikers another left wing before they get into any like secondary things. So I'm a little puzzled. They're spending time on this. Yeah. Especially considering you have, we have Debasi who, who can, who can pay play left back in a pinch if, if needed as well too. So um, as well as depth at the center back position, again, we're you hopefully... guys know from all the sports you follow that you don't always get to sign or agree to players in the order of priority. Of <laughs> right. When you, get, when you, when you get it, you look at the fact that he primarily plays left back, which will light a fire under Gasper a little bit, which I think more than Debasi. And he can also play center back and right back, which gives us depth across the whole back line. Um, that's pretty versatile, pretty good, you know, bargain for the, for how much he costs. So that's what I say about that. Yeah, again, assuming it, it will all go through. So, 
All right. Um, well, quick, let's, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will discuss some MLS news, including the MLS uh, season start and dates being announced, as well as CONCACAF Champions League and, and the uh, Chicago Fire finally uh, part ways with the guy who has fucked up their organization for several, several, several years. So we'll talk about that when we come back. You want me to be that type of dude and I want to like me too, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. Oh, yeah. All right, and we're back, and we're going to discuss uh, some MLS news. Uh, I, the uh, MLS announced today, um, or let it leak, they're hoping that their plan is to begin the season April 3rd. This would be about a month later than they were hoping to start. I think they original plan at what they talked about sort of at the end of the year last year that all of us kind of laughed at. <laughs> it was like, this yeah. is, there's no way that's it's going to happen as quickly as you think it is was uh, early March. Um, I know they've wanted to move up the season earlier. Um, even they even talked about it last year before the season started of, of moving up the season to start earlier so that they could take, so that they could respect the international breaks a little bit better uh, in the summertime and in the, you know, the fall or whatever, when we have playoffs and stuff going on for MLS. So they're going to they, use that stupid disease to, as an excuse not to follow the international calendar again. Right. So they're starting the season April 3rd. Uh, so a couple of the important dates uh, that generally people are generally projecting February 22nd for preseason to start. I think it's in the in the CBA. It's They basically need six weeks of, of preseason. So February 22nd will be the target date for that. Um, decision day. So the last, you know, as MLS has done for the last several years, uh, will be on the 7th of November with uh, the, the playoffs happening. No details, obviously, because they're, they're still negotiating all those details with the uh, Players Association. But they're shooting for the final uh, of MLS Cup to be on uh, December 11th. So they also mentioned they want 34 league matches. They want a full, a full schedule um, to be announced. But again, the kind of the big sort of, you know, sort of Damocles looming here is the CBA has still not been agreed to. I believe the Players Association sent back their counter proposal uh, late last week. <clears throat> they technically only have until the end of this week, I think, to uh, according to MLS's, you know, hard deadline of, of negotiating the uh, what's what after the force majeure was put into place. Um, however, that's, that's not a, that is literally only their stupid, weird uh, self, uh, self-imposed deadline. It's not an actual like hard deadline. So um, do you guys have any thoughts on, trying to cram 34 games into, uh, you know, what, an eight-month season, basically? I don't think we're going to get 34 games in. Right. That's just uh, my conjecture. I I hope that the rates of infection and everything go down and rates of vaccination go up, but that's 34 games seems really optimistic to me. Right. I'm looking at the NHL standings right now, and uh, most teams in the NHL have played six games, and the Dallas Stars have played two games, so... You know, take take for that what you will. Dallas, Dallas is just bad at uh, getting things started on time. Right. Yeah. Weird, huh? I wonder yeah, why that is. That's super wild. Yeah. Uh, I I don't think MLS PA has sent back a counter proposal. I don't think the I don't think MLS has heard from them. Oh. I think it, I don't think they've sent anything back. Okay. I think they're still. Thought I'd read that somewhere, but you're you're probably right. I mean, I'm I I I don't know for for exactly where I where I would have seen that. So, um, yeah. So that's where my guess comes from, which is basically the players' union agreed to this deal, and the the, the old CBA, and didn't seem particularly upset about having done so. This was widely regarded as a pretty fair deal for both sides. So my hunch is that they will accept the CBA extension, but that Garber has so badly botched the PR side of this that they're going to hold out to the dead ass last second to agree to it. So they'll agree to it like this Friday at 4.59.59 Eastern. Uh, they'll agree to it about the same time that the presidential pardons went out, which is the dead ass last second so that the news didn't get a hold of it. Uh, just so that Don sweats a little bit extra. I don't necessarily agree with you uh, on that because I, I think they're I think they will. I think I think you're right. Eventually, I think there. I don't think there'll be a lockout or a strike. I think um, I think the season will, will start on time. The uh, 
Dan Grabber put out a, a letter um, that you probably got in your inbox if you get MLS email notifications, uh, basically talking from the league standpoint about um, their CBA stuff. I think this is also a ploy basically to try. It, it, it actually makes a lot more sense if they haven't responded yet, Dan, is, is this is a ploy to basically get the players to respond saying, you know, we're starting the season here. Here's the here's the date show up or or or, you know, risk our wrath of of not. Um, and there's nothing to stop the team, the players from participating in preseason while they're while they're negotiating, assuming they think they, they're negotiating good faith. Actually, this happened last year when they were working on the CBA before the, the COVID stuff is that they were in the middle of like they were still um, there. The actual negotiation date like had passed or the actual date they needed it to have it. But they everybody went to went to the, the training to preseason because they knew um, they were they had a they had relatively agreement on things. They were just working out the finer the finer details. And they actually, they started playing the season without actually having a CBA sign, which is why they ended up having to renegotiate their CBA, which is why they're read. And, and now that MLS invoked the force majeure, why they're renegotiating their, their CBA for the third time in, you know, basically a year, um, which is also a really fucked up situation. So I don't think they're actually going to, to take what the owners have, have offered because they're throwing away the, for what the amount of money that the owners are saving for what the players are giving up is is kind of insane in terms of the the money on the back end the, the two the two extra years um i think there'll be some sort of you know maybe there's some sort of renegotiation where it's only a year so they get that 2026 world cup money um or something like that or or, or they, they 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 highly accelerate what the, the the revenue sharing agreements would be more so than they are currently right now, which is like there's extending what they what they would have been in in 2025 and 20, 2024 and 2025. They actually amped those up a little bit for the last for those extra two years. So I think that's the only way that this gets done. But I think it does get done. I think. I agree that the deal you're proposing is probably more fair than the one the owners are proposing, but I just don't see the players going that direction the one thing i think mls has done effectively from the pr standpoint is they have put out a calendar they have set the expectations for this is this is what mls season is going to look like and grabber hasn't been snide about it but he has been pretty upfront of this is what we want to do subject to the player's agreement which kind of goes two ways one it, it admits that they are not the only power player in the scenario but two from a fan standpoint it basically is is a way of saying look like we're we're doing our best we're trying to have a season it's just up to the if the players want to play yeah <clears throat> and it, like you can you can decide for yourself whether you think that's incredibly shitty um i'm I'm a little surprised MLS has gone that direction because one of the things that was notable about the last CBA negotiation is that no one said anything. Right. We didn't I, I, that's why I say it's was getting done until it got done because yeah. nobody even leaked anything. Yeah. So I to it's... me, I, I agree with you. I think Garber is sweating here a little bit, but I think the players are just screwing with him because they hate the PR stuff so much. But I think at the end of the day, Look, there's a lot of uncertainty with this season. It's not it isn't as though there's a guarantee of if you don't sign this CBA negotiation, it'll just be the same as last year, 10% negotiation or 10% salary decreases across the board, yada yada like yeah. No, they, the MLS may shrug and say, "Okay, well, we're not because we haven't started this the season this time, we're not going to do the half stadium thing. We're going to until this all opens up fully, we're not having a season. And at that point you're looking at players getting an eighth of their salary, a quarter of their salary. Like yeah. that's a, like, there's a lot for them to lose here. There is They're They're definitely in the more precarious position, especially considering, you know, their, their lifespan of, of earning paychecks as a soccer player is so short, right? Um, they don't, it's not, they don't have the longevity of being able to work for 30 years and, and earn paychecks every year. Right. So it's very, it's, it's a, they're definitely in the, they're not in the driver's seat in this one. Um, the owners definitely are, so which is why you definitely gotta support the players. MJ, did you have anything you wanted to add on this? The handshake seals the contract. From the contract, there's no turning back. The holiday, it was fun packed. The contract is still intact. The grabbing hands, grab what they can, all for themselves after all. <laughs> Beautiful. Very good. 
the other thing that was an what's what's that apologies to the patch mode yeah <laughs> yeah i yes everything Sorry, counts in large amounts david <laughs> everything counts yes uh all right so the other uh uh, basically, a soccer announcement was last week was CONCACAF Champions League announced their uh, tournament. Um, it's going to start in April as well. Uh, the draw is going to be the f- 10th of February in Miami. The round of 16 and quarterfinal legs will be played in April with the semis in August. All those will be two-legged. The final is going to be in October. It's a change from this year. It's a, or from previous years. This year is obviously was a single leg. It's going to be a single leg again for 2021. Uh, normally, this tournament starts in february and is done by like mid to late april like half like you know right in early into the mls season this tournament is done so this you know potentially gives the mls teams a a, a better a better shot than they normally have obviously it was a little weird this year uh, they got the first couple of rounds played before covid and they had to come back and, and play the uh the weird tournament down in orlando to finish the tournament up so might give MLS teams a little bit of a heads up, or a leg up. The only problem is one of the teams representing uh, MLS in the United States is Atlanta. Um, <laughs> by virtue, the, the 23rd best team in MLS last year, uh, Atlanta United, by benefit of their having won the Open Cup and played in this tournament in uh, the Open Cup in 2019 when they beat Minnesota. Yeah, they, 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 somebody, there was no Open Cup last year. Who else are yeah. you going to get the Open Cup slot to, David? There was, there was five or six different ways for... for the U.S. Soccer Federation to dole out this bid, <laughs> and they chose the absolute worst fucking one. They did. Right? Just give it to just give it to the other. You give it to the the other finalists from the from the tournament from the MLS Cup. Um, you give it to the next highest team in the Supporter Shield. There's they, literally they could have done it five or six different ways that would have made sense, and they picked the worst possible one. The other uh, members or the other teams representing. The um, the USA Columbus Crew obviously they uh, won MLS Cup. The Portland Timbers who won the MLS's back tournament. Remember that was part of the winning the MLS's back tournament was a bid into the Champions League for uh, this year. And the Philadelphia Union who uh, won the Supporter Shield uh, for 2020. So, weird about the Atlanta thing is this is the most the U.S. Soccer Federation has given any credence or credit to the U.S. Open Cup in decades. Right, and I'm guessing they definitely would have done the same thing if we had beaten Atlanta in the Open Cup in uh, 2019. They definitely would have given Minnesota this bid, for sure. Yeah, would have found a way. 100. <laughs> you know, they would have. They would have found another way to give it to Atlanta. We right. would have. We would have just learned about the most convoluted, archaic. Like, oh, we we dug up uh, the founder of U.S. Soccer, and it is last will and testament. He said Atlanta should go to the Concacaf Champions. It should be the second the the team who was runner up the year that the other team won it for the. <laughs> yeah, they would have found a way. It's it's fucked up. And then the other uh, MLS team is that's still alive, possibly to play in the in the tournament is uh, Toronto FC. They are playing Forge FC at some point here in the future for the right to represent Canada uh, in the in the uh, CONCACAF Champions League. So more likely, Toronto FC will be also in the tournament. So there'll be five MLS teams vying for CONCACAF Champions League glory starting in April. MJ Pop Quiz, where is Forge FC based out of? Are they Ottawa. Dan, do you have a guess? Uh, it's... I don't know Canadian geography. We've already established this. Fuck it. They're from the Northwest Territories. Yeah, let's just say uh, they're not going to miss their shots. They're from Hamilton, Ontario. Oh, Hamilton. Okay. Damn it. I was even going to say Ontario, and then I got thrown off by the other O one. Stupid <laughs> Ottawa. No one likes you. <laughs> no one really. No one really likes Ottawa at all. So, um, all right. And then finally, the uh, or no, we have a couple more pieces of MLS, but I, the. Uh, the one I want to highlight today, Nelson Rodriguez um, stepped down as the uh, president of the Chicago Fire. He finally realized that there's no more shit he, for him to fuck up in Chicago now that they've, uh, you know, are redoing their logo for the third time, for the second time in two years and um, have, you know, totally alienated so many fans down there and supporters. So, um, Dan, you, you lived in Chicago for a while. Do you have any, any fond Nelson Rodriguez memories? No one has any fond Nelson Rodriguez memories. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, it's a little bit like saying, hey, what was your favorite part of dying in a ditch? Was it the dying or the ditch? 
Nelson Rodriguez took a, <laughs> a wonderful MLS classic franchise and just beat it with a stick until there was no more candy to pull out of it. He just he took a just a, a gigantic dump on the city of Chicago in the form of an MLS team. So well, and like the crazy thing about the fire is he didn't even take a dump on the city of Chicago. He took a dump on the city of Bridgeport, right? Which is where <laughs> yes. the old Fire Stadium was, which is like an hour away from Chicago. Yeah. So like. Yeah, there's a lot to be said about how not to run a team, and Nelson Rodriguez pretty much did a speed run through it. Um, it'll be really interesting to see. That is a city that wants to be a soccer city. I firmly believe that. Every time the national team was in town, when the fire are good, when the Red Stars are playing, there is serious support for it. But the fire just consistently burned fans. It was a bad experience for so many people. So I'll be really interested to see what the next leadership for the fire do to reverse that. Cause I don't think it's as simple as, Oh, we'll, we'll just, we'll put a really competitive product on the field because that, that helps a lot, but that helps when you don't have a bridge. That's a bridge that you build. When you have burnt the bridge, you kind of have to do something else to get that to work. Yeah. They've napalmed, uh, nuked and set up to fire uh, the bridge that they, that they have. Listen. So, they really, yeah, they need to, to really start building a bridge again. So Nelson Rodriguez tried to build a bridge. He, he, he redesigned a logo. He changed the hashtag from the beloved historical CF97 to CFFC. Like, what's not to like about those bridge building, olive branch extending, like completely had no fan interaction or voting possible? What's not to like about those things? Yeah, I... I I, I didn't even know that they'd moved the hashtag to CFFC because I would have been calling them Crystal Phallus for the rest of all of this year. <laughs> it's, it really is. It's really, it's really frustrating to, to, to watch what he's done. Cause I, I have some, I have some good friends who are Chicago fire fans and I, there's, I think their supporters are, are amazing, wonderful people. Anytime we play Chicago, we all, they always throw a good party for us. We throw a good party for them. We, you know, we've raised a shit ton of money uh, with I think with every game we play with them, um, either there or here, so we've done sh- concerts and stuff. So it's there, and it's Chicago, and you know, say what you want about uh, about Bridgeview, like the, the supporters put on a really awesome tailgate. It's fucking in the middle of nowhere, and it's insanely hard to get to, but they put on a really good tailgate. So I always enjoy going down there for games. I I'm you know excited that they're at Soldier Field because at least it's in the in the city, so you don't have to drive a fucking hour to get to a, a soccer match which is nice. Uh, you can actually stay in Chicago proper and, and, you know, enjoy the, that actually wonderful city, maybe take an Amtrak train down there once we can, you know, eventually uh, move on public transport again. So yeah. Anything else MJ, did you want to throw in on Chicago? Yeah. So the, what we can take away from Nelson Rodriguez since he was the GM general manager at Chicago fire since 2015 and then got an expanded role as general manager president in 2018, which means he is largely responsible for bringing Francisco Cabo to the Chicago fire. And, you know, that's, that's fair. That is the one positive thing we can all agree that he did just not for the Chicago fire. He did. That's he did. He did do that. He did save us from ourselves when it came to Francisco Cabo. So, all right. A couple other uh, deals. Um, King Clark, uh, this was announced today. King Clark has inked a deal to move to RB Leipzig uh, in the Austrian. Uh, oh, no, Leipzig, right? Yeah. The, the deal's okay. almost done, is what I heard. What's that? The deal's almost done. Almost done. Yeah. I've seen it on MLS. There's, there's been, there's definitely talk about it. It's, so, yeah, Rosenball Sport, it's, they're not actually Red Bull because, you know, in Germany. Uh, the rules and stuff, but uh, Rossen Ball Sport Leipzig in 2022, he's going to play for uh, the Red Bulls in 2021. Um, that's a fantastic move for him. It, I'm pretty sure that was probably part of his deal that he signed with the Red Bulls when he signed for the Red Bulls two was you know some sort of uh, buy a, you know purchase clause or whatever. And the kid came out and played really goddamn well in the in the few minutes the few minutes that he got in MLS last year. So uh, good on him. It would be. You know, former Minnesota kid would have been great if he would have been part of our academy. Dina, but... Minnesota born. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, Jordan Morris uh, to Swansea City is official. Um, he had his 
physical on Friday, and it sounds like he might actually get a uh, get a run out on Wednesday in their match. So MJ, I know MJ and I discussed a little bit about this last week, Dan, but I know you had some definitely had some thoughts and want to talk a little bit about it and maybe get into it a little bit more about you know whether it's good or not. So why don't you why don't you help us help us out here where you want to go? Yeah, so this is such an interesting move to me, and and more than anything, it underscores how much mystique and aura there is around playing in Europe still. Um, you know, it's it's impossible to fault a player like uh, Brendan Aronson is a perfect example, going from Philadelphia Union to RB Leipzig. That's a great move. Um, Caden Clark, when he makes the jump, same thing. The the people who go play for full of, like, uh, I guess Dempsey was the other direction going from Tottenham to Seattle, but Honestly, that was an upgrade, too. Um, I, that makes this deal so interesting to me because Swansea is, is second place in the championship. It kind of looks like they're going to – they'll at least challenge for promotion, whether they get there or not as TBD. But Morris leaves legitimately one of the best soccer cities in the U.S. Um, he's beloved. I mean, we're not quite to the statue outside the stadium vibe with him yet, but we're damn close. Um and, I, like, this move is just fascinating for me. And I'm curious if you guys think, ultimately, this is a good move for Jordan Morris or not. Now, I, this is not to critique it. He clearly wants to play in Europe. This is a good opportunity for him to do that. His choice, bully for him. Objectively speaking, do you guys feel this was a move up, a move down, or a lateral move for Jordan Morris? I actually think this was a move up for him. Uh, Swansea is really good. They're challenging for promotion back up to the EPL. Uh, they're, I think they're in second place right now um, in EPL top two get promoted and then three through six play in a, a, a playoff for that final, that third and final spot up in, in the EPL. So they have a very, they were in the, they were in the playoff last year. So they're in a very good position to, to go up next year. I think one of the things, so I think it's good for Jordan Morris because he's, he's going to, because everybody, I mean, regardless of where you think the EPL two or the, 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 the championship ranks, it is probably the highest ranked second division in the, in the world. So lots of good players go there. It's there's lots of eyes on it. Lots of people watch the championship. So if he plays and it sounds like, I mean, I I would imagine he got some assurances that he's going to get playing time. He's going to play. It's interesting. They play in a three, five, two, which you wouldn't normally think would suit John Morris's style and the way he likes to play, but they, it's a, it's kind of a, you know, three, five, two sort of, three four three kind of hybrid where he can play you know he'll play more as like a as a nine probably but can can get out on onto the wing and and run a little bit so it would definitely be an opportunity for him to highlight his goal scoring ability which we all know he has just his you know his his able his ability to run the dude can run like like no other um in spite of looking like a goddamn meathead which i point out all the time (laughs) he uh So I think it's it's a great opportunity because number one, I mean, whether you can think the the championship is is better than MLS, and I don't necessarily. I think from top to bottom, MLS is probably about the same level. Whether what no matter what you think about that or what you think about the the more people, most people, especially people in Europe, consider the the championship well above MLS in terms of of ability, right? In turn, and so if he can show that he can do it there, I think it's much more likely that he plays that he plays well and gets a move to a Bundesliga team for 2022. You know, there's a very real possibility because I mean, I, I talked about this a little bit with some other people. Rian Brewster is actually a really great example, right? He had played, he gotten three, I think three caps for Liverpool last year. He goes to Swansea in January, scores 11 goals and gets sold for $25 million to Sheffield United over the summer. So I don't think Jordan Morris is going to get sold for $25 million, but I think this is, I think, so I think this is a really good move for both. And I think MJ and I talked about this last week, a really good move for Jordan Morris. Cause I think he'll get an opportunity to play and an opportunity to showcase his skills, but also a really good move for MLS because I think if he does well, um, I think the Seattle has a floor for what they want to sell Jordan Morris for. I think if he plays really well, that floor is going to go up by two to three to $4 million. Uh, for a, a, a you know permanent move in 2022, I think it's a great move for him because whether lateral up down, and I would say maybe lateral in skill wise, but probably a lot more upside for what it can do for Jordan Morris's career in the in the long term. He's only 26 years old, and a move like this sometimes it helps to have a change of scenery, a new challenge. 
I think it will be more challenging for him. He doesn't know the defenders in that league. Uh, certainly, I think the defenses in that league are more tactical than in the MLS. And mm-hmm. so it will be hard. I mean, he's great at confusing MLS defenses and changing positions and rotating out. Can he do that same song and dance at Swansea against, you know, championship or, or Premier League? talent we'll see but I, th- I think it's a good move for him. yeah i think those are both excellent points uh to me this is a, a little bit of a lateral move um but it's hard i like i think in a different universe in which jordan morris isn't playing in seattle already i think that's the ideal move for you move from from somewhere you know chicago not to continue to shit on them houston Houston, Dallas, whatever, go to Seattle, go to a little bit of a higher, yep, a more tactical coach, uh, a more intense environment, see what you can do there. But the fact that he's been there since probably since what he's what, 18? He's been there forever. Like, I agree, the, the change of scenery will do him good. I think one of the interesting things, you guys both mentioned his age, and I think that's a really interesting point, less for him and more for MLS. Because right now what we're seeing, MLS – sell our players like Brian Rodriguez, Brandon Aronson, um, bless it, Weston McKinney. Who's the other player? Reggie Cannon. Yeah. From Dallas. Uh, guys who are younger. Caden Clark. You know, Caden Clark. Yes. Yeah, 16, 17, 18. Yeah. If you're sold at 23, that's a little on the older side. If Jordan well, Morris at, at 26 goes to Swansea, performs really well there, I think it starts to validate – hey, if you see someone who's succeeding in this league, maybe they are worth a move to Europe. It's not that you only have to buy like guys at the, at the academy age and then finish their grooming process, but that maturation and that finishing really does still happen in MLS. Right. The, uh, that's an interesting point. Miguel Almiron, I believe, was 23 when he, when he was sold to Newcastle. Uh, he's 26 now. So it's not the same, not the same comparison. But I think, Dan, I think that is an interesting point. I think it really... It, yeah, MLS is making is it's a little bit of a gamble here because if they, but you're right, if they can show that they can, you know, they can develop these players, they can let them, you know, play in the MLS first team for more than, you know, more than a year, right, before they get sold on to, to the, you know, to the next, the European side, that they can do a little bit of the development, that, that finishing here, and then sell them on. These players are going to be a lot cheaper, I think. I, I mean, I'm, I'd be curious to see what the, what the actual sell on clause or the buy clause that Swansea has, what like what Seattle has valued him at. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure we'll never see it, but it'd be interesting to me because I think that would be that's basically what their floor for for selling Jordan Morris is. And I think again, um, you know, or, or that's that's a, I think a really good like valuation of what they think they can sell him for, assuming you know Swansea gets promoted or whatever. So, but yeah, it's a good point. So yeah, I mean, I think from an American soccer standpoint. I think we're all rooting for Jordan Morris to succeed. Uh, that it's a little counterintuitive considering we've aggressively booed Jordan Morris for a long time here in Minnesota and rightfully so. Yeah. But uh, now, now Jordan Morris, go be the best of us all. I mean, this is Jordan Morris would be a really great. I mean, it's, it's not the similar, but we look at someone like Hassani Dotson um, or a Chase Gasper, if, if Chase Gasper develops, they're obviously not the same types of players, not even the same level, but being able to sell a player who is 25, 26, that's where you're probably looking at, you know, selling Chase Gasper or um, Hassani Dotson abroad, not, you know, not trying to sell, you know, trade him domestically or, or within MLS here, but at some place where, you know, if those guys have interest in going to Europe, that you know, it'd be it'd be very interesting to see. For I think there's a lot of MLS players that are sort of in that same kind of boat. Again, not as good as Jordan Morris, but like looking at that as a potential option. Yeah, and to me, that's a that's probably a few years down the road. But you know, the college to MLS pipeline is the most well established MLS pipeline right now. It's it's the most obvious one. It's the one they will never ever get rid of. But what that means is, if Morris succeeds, what you can do is take a player who's graduated college take him two years, three years in a first team and still get value when you sell him on into Europe. You don't have to take a Mason toy type who had only done a year at Indiana and then sort of try to finish the rest of his development. So I think ultimately that's good for everybody. Maybe the United States isn't shit at soccer. Not as shit anymore. uh, 
that's a it, it, that's a cold take for this podcast and an extremely flamingly hot take in global opinion. <laughs> All right, well, gentlemen, this was this was great to to chat with you guys again. Hey, we kept this one to about an hour too, so your normal your normal two and a half hour uh, Dave's I Know podcast is actually split up into two podcasts, and uh, only one if you don't get the Patreon, which I don't know why you're not. Uh, on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave's. I know I only to chat with Dan and, and MJ, but I, I met with uh, Christian the other day and we discussed some plans for beers. And I think you guys are going to be very, very excited about what we're, what we're thinking for 2021 and definitely want to get your guys' thoughts on that as well. So let's, uh, let's wrap there. Please rate, review the podcast wherever you get it. Patreon, again, patreon.com slash Dave's. I know um, at TDIK man on Twitter. I'm at Texas Eller. Dan's at D Wade. MJ's at MJ Matsui. We have been the Daves I know. This is the Daves I know. I'm Tommy Smith with a Y. We have got to try and work it out. Cause we both know we can't do nothing at all. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, 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 oh. We did. We, we, we do our thing, son. Long as you do yours, land here, become feet, con. Yeah. Uh, we we yeah. do our thing, son. Through the act we attract two, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we we do our thing. Do it. We, do it. We uh, do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be we, done. Uh, we, we, we do our thing, thing, son. Son, son, son,